Resurrection Sunday. And this means that uh, this is the day when Jesus came out from the grave. And the Bible says that on the day that Jesus was resurrected, we were resurrected together with Him. And when He ascended, we ascended together with Him. And when He was seated in, in heavenly places, right at the right hand of the Father, we were seated in heavenly places together with Him. That is why some of us are dancing and, hey, we just can't help it. And uh, this morning we are going to continue with our series concerning uh, I Am, which speaks about who God is and it's part of our theme for the year of knowing God. And it is really important, it's key that you get to know God personally. The whole purpose of Jesus coming was for you to get to know God, not for you to do a work for God but for you to get into a relationship, into a fellowship, into a partnership with God. That is the whole purpose. And this year we are going to deal with many themes that will bring us to a place where we get to know God better. Amen? In the beginning of the year, a couple of weeks ago, we were doing some series on, on leadership and the purpose of the leaders to grow and mature you. And uh, I really felt this week as we were preparing for this message that it is so key that if you want to grow in the Lord, you need to do something that is very important. And that something that is very important is that you need to apply the Word of God to your life. Tell the person next to you, apply the Word of God to your life. Don't just read it, don't just listen to it, but do it. Because as you apply the Word of God to your life, that is how you begin to grow. Christianity is an experience experience. It is about putting it to work and tasting and experiencing and living it. It's not just about knowing and acknowledging and giving mental assent and saying the right things, but it is something that you live out. It is something that you become. Amen? And in the first week of the current series that we're busy with, we dealt with the all-powerful, all-powerful God, omnipotent God. And Pastor Yoma uh, shared a message concerning that. And all of these attributes of God are supposed to cause us to draw near to Him in a, in a, in a sense of peace because of our trust in who He is. Amen? And Edla shared her, shared her testimony about who God is to her personally, as much as He is powerful, as much as He is ever-present, as much as He is omniscient and benevolent, He is personal to her. And that is the key. All the other gods, all the other gods that are worshipped in Asia and in Africa and in the United States of America and in South America and Antarctica and wherever, on Mars, wherever you may find worshippers, all the other gods that are worshipped are impersonal gods. You cannot come close to Allah to even suggest that you can have a relationship with Him is blasphemy. The other gods that the Hindus worshipped and becoming part of the whole pantheism and your enlightenment and how you reincarnate and reincarnate and reincarnate into perfection, you will never see the face of that God. It's all about here are the instructions Go your way. Work out your own way. But we have somebody who not only 
experience the offenses that we have placed on him. Who not only has carried the burden of sinful man and tolerated it, but has stepped down from his throne and has come into the earth in order to lift us from the mighty clay and sit us among princes. And the Bible says, the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ did not come to be ministered unto. He came to, to seek and save the lost. He came to minister to us. And the Bible says in John 14 verse 6, that he was speaking to his disciples just before he went to heaven. And he told them, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. And they said, but we do not know the way to where you are going. He said, you know the way. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And then the disciples were like, okay, okay, okay. Show us the Father. Show us the omnipotent one. Show us the omniscient one. Show us the omnipresent one. Show us the benevolent. Show us the creator. And what did Jesus say? If you have seen me, you have seen that one. That one that is uncontainable in the temples built by men. That one that is worshipped all over the world. That one that created the very essence of life. That one was born in a manger, lived a life in the presence of mankind, and was crucified by his creation. That one is the one who we elevate today. And Resurrection Sunday is the testimony of how the story rises to another level. That Jesus is alive today and it is a true reality, a historical fact. Not a religious notion that we preach. This is proven by evidence. There are witnesses of the living Jesus after he was crucified and the Romans made sure that no one survives crucifixion. Otherwise, if, if you let someone survive, my brother, <laughs> we will remove the survivor and put you on that very cross. Make sure that whoever is crucified is crucified properly and excellently. <laughs> so Jesus was crucified and he died. And three days later, he was risen from the dead. This morning, we are speaking about the omniscient God. So the notion is that God is all-powerful. God is present everywhere. And next is that God knows everything. Tell the person next to you, God knows everything. Even the, what you are thinking now about me and my outfit. <laughs> He knows everything. And we are going to run through some of the scriptures that will elucidate that. But this is all part of what Pastor Ephraim was speaking about, that these are attributes that are only reserved for God. These are the things that make God God. It's not that the fact that He knows everything makes Him God. It's because He is God, He knows everything. Amen? And this is the glory of it that we are able to have a personal relationship with this mighty God. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, whenever you are speaking to Christians who grew up in church, everything is, hey, man, mm, yeah. but actually they are not getting it. <laughs> the blood of Jesus was shed for you. Mm. <laughs> but then when you go home, you complain to God about how there are certain things that the blood of Jesus did not wash away because... Yeah. That God is present where you are. Oh God, where are you? And the word of God says that the truth is going out. But the prince of this world has darkened the minds of people so that they will not hear and see the light of the truth of the gospel that is in Christ Jesus. That we are speaking about God as an omnipotent, an omnipresent, an omniscient being. And yet there are people who are ashamed of him. They would much rather want to walk next to Madiba than next to Jesus. And this morning, we are trusting that God will open your eyes, that the eyes of your understanding will be flooded with light, that you will have a knowledge that brings you into an experience with God. Amen? Okay, take us there to the first slide. Omniscient comes from the Latin word omni-science. Omni means all, and science is knowledge. So when we say that God is omniscient, we are saying that God is all-knowing. And this all-knowing is not that God in his brain has all the facts. <laughs> no. It comes from the fact that he is all-perceiving. Meaning, he sees all as it is in its true essence. Amen? It's not like he had to read from another source and become acquainted with knowledge. But because he is God, he is perceiving everything and he is acquainted with everything and he manifests all knowledgeness. That's why we say he is omniscient. I'm telling you, for those of you who come from a line of ancestors who used to worship trees, you are blessed today to come to the true God. I tell you, many of us, we come from, from a line of ancestors who worship trees and uh, the moon and uh, created things. <laughs> Give us the next slide there. From the book of Jude, chapter... Uh, Verse 25, there's only one chapter. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Consider the first words, to the only wise God. And this is it. Most of us, in our lives, we live lives that presume we know better than God. Look at the person next to you and say, you might disagree with that statement. But it is proven by your actions. <laughs> if you really believe that what God says is true, what will you do automatically? You will do what he says you should do. 
The Bible speaks about Adam and Eve and the dilemma that they found themselves in when the snake started to tell them about the fact that God was actually lying to them, concealing certain things from them. And at that moment, their actions went into sin because they stopped believing that what God is saying is true, is true. The moment you believe something contrary to what God is saying, it is just a matter of time before you live inconsistent with what God is saying. And if God is all truth and the manifestation of all knowledge, and He tells you, go this way. This is the way to life. This is the way to prosper. This is the way to goodness. And you say, no, but wait a minute. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that revelation. But I will first try here. Because someone said that all roads lead to God. Give us the next slide there. This is a scene from The Passion where Pontius Pilate has Jesus in his courts. And he starts to have a conversation with Jesus. And he asks him, are you a king? Because the Jews want to kill you because you claim to be a king. In fact, they want to kill you for blasphemy because you claim to be the son of God, making yourself equal with God. Are you a king? And Pontius Pilate asks him this, and Jesus replies, and he says that, you said it. And so Pontius Pilate says, oh, so you are a king. And then Jesus tells him, but my kingdom is not from this world. Otherwise... My soldiers would fight for me. And then Jesus begins to explain to Pontius Pilate that everyone, everyone that listens to the truth and believes in the truth listens to me, says Jesus. This is key. You cannot listen to Deepak Chopra and claim that Deepak, this is now the New Age movement, those who believe that there are many gods and you are God and all of that. You cannot listen to all sorts of other, other voices with a desire to know the truth without listening to Jesus. And Jesus says that everyone that is on the side of truth listens to me. And what does Pontius Pilate ask him? Quid est veritas. What is truth? When we are talking about omniscience, we are not talking about just scientific facts, historical facts, anthropological facts, uh, physical facts, spiritual facts. We are not just talking about that. We are talking about truth. Omniscience is a manifestation of reality. What is true and what is real. Is despite, despite what you can see or perceive with your senses, what is actually true? And this was the question of the proconsul that was supposed to give the verdict to Jesus. And the Bible speaks about how he went back to the Jewish rulers and told them, I find no fault with this man. I find no fault with this man. And the people kept chanting, crucify him. Crucify him, otherwise we will say you are not a friend of Caesar. This man taught people not to pay taxes, etc., etc. I hope you read this story during the Easter time. Eh? <laughs> so this is the question that the whole world is asking. What is truth? What is truth? There is a notion in the world now 
It's called postmodernism. It is a way of thinking that is past modernity. When one plus one is no longer two, one plus one could be four or five, depending on how you feel and where you stand. And in this, in this philosophical environment is where we are making laws. This philosophical environment is where we are determining who is male and who is female. What is marriage? What is family? Is there a God? Is there not a God? And it all is devoid of an authority above who knows everything and who gives the direction saying this is the way walk in it. It is just a conversation that we mere mortals are having with one another because we have succeeded in killing God. And the great philosopher Nietzsche, Friedrich Nietzsche, who was the one who inspired Hitler to, 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 to create that superhuman, he's the one that said, if we have managed to kill God and move him out of our societies, then surely someone must take his place. And if God is not on the throne, then mankind will surely ascend the hill of the Lord. And if you see mankind sitting on the throne of God, you will always see death. Amen? And so this morning we are looking at a beautiful God. We are looking at the one whom doesn't need our persuasion to make everyone believe that he is the greatest. He is the greatest without us. Before there was humanity, there was God. If all of us get wiped away because we can't live forever, there will still be God. Take us to the next slide. We'll go through some of the scriptures and I'll show you a quotation from some of the, the atheistic philosophers and what they said concerning the fact that if God is omnipotent and if God is omniscient and is omnipresent, then, 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 then. We'll get there. Isaiah 46 verse 9 to 10 says, remember the former things. Those long ago, those of long ago, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say my purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Mortal man may rail his finger. And almighty God, you will still have to face him in his court. You will still have to give account that with one finger you point and say God is unjust, but in your own house, you are unjust yourself. Give us the next scripture there. That's it. Here's the quotation by David Hume, atheist philosopher. He says, if God is omnipotent, omniscient, and holy, good, or benevolent, whence evil? Where does evil then come from? Do you see the implication, what he's trying to say? And then he says, if God wills to prevent evil but cannot, then he is not omnipotent. If he can prevent evil but does not, then he is not good. In either case, he is not God. Tell me, David Hume, where are you now? Dead and buried in a grave. 
And that would be okay if it ended there. Hmm? But this is the problem. If God wanted to make mankind completely able to love him back, he needed to make them with a free will. And that is the risk that introduced the fact that we could then choose. Either to choose him or to choose not him. If you look around the world and you see famine and you see destruction, even the natural disasters, don't look at God. Look at Adam. Some say in heaven, Adam's mansion has like a special, it's like in a special location there with barbed wires and lots of angels protecting him because all the saints who come in heaven. Thank you, Peter. Can you please show me where, where uh, Mr. Adam's residence is? I need to have a discussion with him. Huh? Because of the sin of one man, the whole race was cursed, the whole earth was cursed, even thorns and mosquitoes and flies. God created a perfect world, a world without needs. And yet, mankind was able to presume on God and say, ah, it's not enough. Maybe there is something better. And that thing that seduced them out of perfection and pleasure into death was the tree of what? Knowledge. Is it not the same thing that is happening today? What is the knowledge? What is the science? What is the truth that is being preached? That is coming out of the campuses of the world. Out of the university stages where professors with PhDs upon PhDs are telling us that this is the reality. And yet it contradicts the version and the witness that comes from a God who knows everything. And many of us know friends and family who would rather die than entertain a notion of a God who is omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, or all good, and all of that. Because of the pain that life has brought in, and they have factored away the fact that they are responsible for the way that the earth is right now. Give us the next slide there. Psalm 139, verse 1 to 4. Oh Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Some of us would have lived very differently if we believed this. If there is a habit that we are entertaining and uh, our brother or our father or our mother walked into the room, immediately the power to overcome that sin rises in and you can stop. Not like, oh, I can't stop now. I can't stop. I can't help it. And yet, who is the one that is always present, who always knows, who always is aware? God himself. And yet we do not give him the kind of reverence that we will give to a parent with a big stick. 
Amen? And so God is pressing on our hearts a certain truth because there is another truth that we have bought into. Who is telling us that truth? Hmm? The devil. No. How do you know what you know? How did you get to understand or know what you know? It's simple. Any suggestions? School. Through, through what senses? Yes. What we know today is because of what we have seen and heard and felt and touched and smelled. And it has become the persuasion in our heart. And the Bible says that when Adam and Eve ate of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, they noticed that they were, all of a sudden, their natural senses became preeminent. And the knowledge of God that God said, no, it's this, is this, is this, became irrelevant to them. Now, Adam had to go into the world, a, a world that is dying and getting destroyed, with Nothing except what he can see, taste, hear, feel, and all of that. Give us the next scripture there. Romans 11.33. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing up. In the context here, he is speaking about how God will sometimes choose some people over others. And he will not explain himself. And sometimes we will say, but it's unfair. And, and, and the Apostle Paul says, how can the pot say to the potter, how, how can you make me like this? That is the absurdity of us calling God to come and account to me. There are some of us who have this idea, one day when I get, one day when I get to heaven, I will go straight to God. <laughs> and then I'll ask him, God, why did this? And why did you allow? Why? <laughs> Immediately when you come into heaven, all those questions will vanish. All your questions. Uh, and, and, and Gabriel might come to you and say, so um, all the guys who have questions, the, the queue is currently empty, but all the guys, have, you can line up there to ask God whatever you want. Just the, the radiance of the glory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just the radiance of the glory of God will shut every mouth, every mouth, and every knee will, will, will bow, and every tongue will confess the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our disadvantage is that we are ignorant of who God is in His real state. We have taken our notion from some preacher, we have taken our notion of God from some kind of book we read, or from some kind of uh, drum-beating uh, spiritualist, or from some kind of ancestral worshipping whatever. Or some kind of scientific atheist, or some kind of backslidden theologian. And we have not taken the time to acquaint ourselves personally with who God is. For it is in the revelation of knowing God that we find the truth. Hebrews 4 verse 13, nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before he, the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Speaking of the word of God. Give us there the next scripture. 
Luke 12, verse 7, Indeed, the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Just look at your neighbor. See the hairs? Some of us, we shave. <laughs> Sam. <laughs> Even the paws are numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many birds, many sparrows. For those of us who say, ah, I'm worrying about what I will eat, what, what I will drink, what I will wear. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And if there are no hairs on your head, he knows the thoughts in your heart. <laughs> Hopefully you understand it's an analogy. It's not about the hairs. 1 John 3 verse 20, whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. So the scripture there is talking about when we pray and if our hearts do not condemn us because somehow we feel we are too guilty to ask God. If our hearts do not condemn us, then whatsoever we ask, we will receive. But even if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. He knows what Jesus did for us. Yes. He knows what Jesus did for us. He knows that he was the one that sent Jesus for you. He knows that he was supposed to take away the barrier between me and God. He was supposed to make sure that your prayers are answered. So regardless of the condemnation in your heart, God hears. Amen. Give us the next slide there. Matthew 10 verse 29 to 30. Are not two sparrows, sparrows are birds, small birds, sold for a penny, Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father, and even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. You see the comparison? Birds. 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 And you. And God is saying the reason why I take care of you is because you are more valuable than birds. It's because you are valuable to me. Give us the next slide there. Dr. Caroline Leaf, if you knew how powerful your thoughts were, you'd never think a negative thought. This lady is a medical doctor, and she specializes in neuroscience, and she's a Christian. And at the moment, her ministry is to show people how terrible it is that the experts have said that you can't help what's happening in your mind. I couldn't help it. My wife said something, and then she looked at me that way that I don't like. And then, you know, that was the end of it. <laughs> Please, your prison cell is this way, sir. Stop talking about your testimony. God has made us with a will so that we are fully accountable. Tell the person next to you, God has made you with a will so that you are fully accountable. Stop blame shifting. Amen. And this is wonderful. Ah, another sermon. Next slide. <laughs> so the first point, true science is true. How many of us, we were, when we were uh, in high school, we had in our biology books the, the, the evo evolutionary steps. Ne? The first one is a monkey. Ne? Then after the monkey comes Homo, Epithelectus, or some of us were not paying attention. 
were praying in the spirit because our future was bright. <laughs> and then Homo erectus, then Neanderthal man and all of that. Then come Homo sapiens sapiens. And as we are going up, we are becoming more and more excellent and more wonderful. That's a lie. We used to be amazing. We were like God. Then from there, we exchanged the glory of God for the created thing, and we started to serve nature. And then, after a few centuries, we started making the observation that we are actually so assimilated into this creation that we are not transcended. We are not removed like God from creation. We are part of it. We came from the worm. We hail from the muddy puddle. And that lie about evolution oh. is a lie. <laughs> that lie that was called science, that lie has caused many people to go further. That if it is so that we evolved, then we were not created. And if we were not created, then we are not accountable. If we are not accountable, there can be no law against what I do. It merely becomes a fight called Survival of the fittest. And the honest philosophers will tell us, these people that like to say, no, let's care for the poor and all that. No, 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 let's not care for the poor. We are harming mankind by caring for the poor and the weak and the old and all of that. We must let them die out so that the strongest ones survive. And then the strongest ones will reproduce and will become even stronger. When we were in class reading that biology book, we didn't know that is where they were taking us. Robbing us of the glory that every man is valuable because God created him in his likeness. Not because he is wealthy or because he is an athlete or because he is good looking or because he is smart. It doesn't matter. Your value comes from God. And that truth is a revelation of the knowledge of God. And if we don't have a relationship with God, we will always believe a lie. You have no hope to walk in the light if there is no light. So you remove God from your schools. You remove God from your parliaments. You remove God from your businesses. You remove God from your social sciences. What do you have left? Godlessness. You have godlessness and darkness and confusion. Truth is an awareness. There needs to be an awareness and an understanding of what is real and what is true, not just what you see with your natural senses. There are some people, their career is to be a magician. Eh? It's about making sure that you don't see with your senses what you should see, while something else is called illusions, yes. The devil is a master. I'm telling you, for those of you who is like, if I didn't see it with my eyes, I will not believe. Okay. <laughs> then whatever you see with your eyes, you will believe. I will take you to death with your eyes. This is the privilege of the, the, the born-again believer. He is alive in the spirit. He perceives differently. Okay? So... 
and it includes the knowledge that allows one to live in the benefits of such knowledge. It's not just the accumulation of the facts, but it is such an, an understanding. You are so acquainted with this knowledge that you live it and you make benefit of it. Amen? It would be, contrary would be, that you know how to make fire, but you are not brine. You are eating everything raw. And your children are getting all sorts of diseases and stuff like that, especially on pork night, Wednesdays, Wednesday pork nights. <laughs> Everyone is stomach, you know. And over here, you know how to make fire. There's a disconnect. And the knowledge of God is not supposed to stay here. It is supposed to be introduced into every area of your life, all the way to government. I, I say this all the way to government. Uh, in the newspapers lately, we had, we had lots of articles concerning abortion. And the research came out that uh, many mothers were dying because of backdoor abortions. And all the speaking and communication and the radio shows and everything was about the mother's rights. The mother's rights. The mother's rights. And no one spoke on behalf of a certain innocent person that is in the safest place in the universe who will be murdered. Who will be mur murdered if certain mothers have their way. God's revelation says there are two lives here. Man's revelation says we can't see that life. We only see one life here. We see one life and we see a body part. And I'm telling you, church, you see how the enemy will take you from the glory of God where God says, children are a blessing for the, from the Lord. Let your quiver be full. Let any man who has many will not be shy and will not be ashamed at the gates. Take you from there to slaughter your children. Slaughter your children because you are sophisticated. Slaughter your children because you are an emancipated woman. You have a degree now. You have a degree now. You, you have been set free now. You have graduated to the point where you can murder children and not feel ashamed. Why? Because the law, the law has come in and has made everything lawful. But not everything that is lawful is right. And you cannot determine what is right and wrong without God. Otherwise, it is just your opinion against mine. Every society that says goodbye to Jesus and says goodbye to God, you will cannibalize yourself. It is a matter of time before you will kill your own seed. And there is hope in Christ. We're not talking about those who say that I've done an abortion and I'd like God to just restore my life. There is that. Jesus came to die to give you a second chance to restore you. We are talking about those who are sitting at the helm of truth and righteousness and are turning the wheel towards destruction of innocence in society. Give us the next slide. What is truth? Omniscience is an advantage. Consider this, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 5 to 12. 
but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What he's saying here, simply, is that when Jesus came on the earth, none of the principalities and the rulers knew that he was, came, he was coming to reverse the curse and to redeem mankind from their death. They didn't know. They didn't know. And you remember Jesus used to tell, I healed you, now go home, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anyone. Why? Because he was, he was undercover. The wisdom of God that through the crucifixion of an innocent son of God, the whole thing was going to be reversed. That knowledge was not in the eyes and in the ears of hell. And this is the hope that Jesus brought. As much as it looks foolish to some that there's a man crucified on the cross and three days later he is alive again. You don't understand that this is the truth and the science that divides history and makes man immortal again. Everyone is seeking for the fountain of youth. All sorts of research to cure this and cure that and cure this and cure that. And we believe in healing. But even if that doesn't come, praise God that it doesn't end with death. But only because of Jesus Christ. This is the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Give us the next slide there. Jesus Christ is the manifestation of all knowledge. And this is, this is sometimes strange to some people. I'm telling you, you might have two PhDs, three. Three PhDs in different industries. Four. Postdoc, postdoctor or postdoc. They call you to explain everything. I'm telling you, if you are devoid of a knowledge that is personal in Jesus Christ, you don't have 5% of what you should know. I'm telling you. Why? Okay. It was graduation this week, right? So you go, you get your degree, now you go and work. You make a pile of money. Pile, pile of money. You build houses, you have nice cars, your family, everything. You even give some to the church, praise God. <laughs> Building fund, here you go. So then after all of that, and you don't know Jesus, here we go now. You don't know Jesus, what, what happens? Every man has an appointment with death. Every man has an appointment with death. And the Bible says that death was the thing that, that the devil used to hold men slave like this. I have money, Steve Jobs. I have money, but cancer is destroying my life. I am going to face God. I am on a slide down into, into judgment day. And my degree will not allow me to argue so sophisticatedly with this all-wise God. All the knowledge that I've accumulated and all the money that I could bribe God with <laughs> will count against me on that day. But when Jesus came on the earth, I'm talking historically, not like 
sometimes Christians listen to the gospel and it's like, it's like a movie, it's being told, or a story, something that didn't really happen. But praise God, <laughs> this is facts. Facts, 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 facts. The fact that we call 2017 today means that somewhere there was a zero. That zero is when Jesus was on earth. And now they are trying to say, no, but actually Jesus, ah, please, just read. Read, read some books. Historically, not only that Jesus was on the earth as a good man or a prophet or as an example. No. He was God in the flesh turning the tides of judgment in our favor. And the Bible says that he was the propitiation not only for the sins of the Christians, but for the sins of the whole world. For the whole world. It wasn't just a, a political thing of Jesus coming to set free the Jews. No. In fact, Judas betrayed him to try and trap him into a place where the people will revolt and say, let our Jesus go. And they didn't. Jesus did not come for political reasons. He did not come for humanitarian reasons. There was a court case that we were going to all queue, out, queue up at. And Jesus came to be the payment and the penalty for that. Now, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, give us the next slide. Wait, 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 wait. Let's just read the scripture. Colossians 2, verse 2 to 3. That their hearts may be encouraged, your hearts, being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of the Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Oh, God. Knowing God, knowing Jesus, is a participation in knowing what is real in its fullness. Give us the next slide there. So I wrote up there, Jerusalem, Athens, and Rome. Jerusalem is Israel. And Israel had a great fascination concerning the glory of God. Everything was about the, the, no, it was the light. Yes. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall, all that is wonderful and good is represented through light in Israel, in Jerusalem. And then you have Athens, the Greeks. That's where we get our style of education, classroom and all of that. And all. It's from the Greeks. Their glory and their, the thing that they held as preeminent was knowledge. Knowledge, if you didn't know in Greek, I'm sorry for you. And the Romans, it was glory. The glory of the empire. The glory of Rome. Now consider here what the Apostle Paul says and how he uses it to bring it into the face of Jesus. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of What am I saying here? I'm saying that this Jesus whom we worship, he is much more than you thought. 
He's much more than you thought. Don't put him in the church building. He stands on the throne of the world. You cannot make him irrelevant at the marketplace, irrelevant in the politics, irrelevant in other places. He is the one that brings the fullness of God in every arena. This is our glorious Jesus. So when we are worshipping him, we are worshipping him not as a religious leader. <laughs> we are worshipping him as a king of kings, as a lord of lords, and as God himself. If some of you understood this, your whole life would be changed. Your whole life would be changed. Oh, I don't come from a family of honor. Oh, I don't come from means. I don't come from, I don't have anything. Do you have Jesus? Do you know who he is? Do you know who you walk with? Amen. Give us there the next slide. Two trees in the garden. I don't know if you can, can see the image. There were two trees in the garden of Eden. The first tree was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Some have said the knowledge of the experience of good and evil. Eh? The tree of the experience of good and evil. And then the other tree was the, the tree of life. Did it ever occur to you? I always used to think, why on earth did those guys not eat ever from the tree of life? Because if you eat from the tree of life, then you will live forever. And the Bible says that as soon as they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they were corrupted in their hearts, God put an angel at the tree of life so that they wouldn't stay like that forever. They wouldn't stay in that state of corruption and evil, living forever. But that God was renewing the whole creation and bringing a new creation. And it was a long-term plan, but it was accomplished through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, right there, Jesus, the, the Father made a proclamation and He said, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. And when Jesus was on the earth, he came as a manifestation of God, and everyone that partakes of him will have a fountain in them that springs forth the fountain of life. Jesus is that tree of life. Some of us, we have a choice. If it's between knowledge and life, what will I choose? Yeah, but with knowledge I can create life. No, this life is not to be created. The life is in the sun. He who does not have the sun does not have life. Well, he who has the sun has this life. Zoe. Zoe life, the God life. Give us there the next slide. We are closing. This is Pontius Pilate. It's not in scripture, but it's part of the narrative of a movie. It says... This is his wife speaking to him. You can't see so well. But she says, if you will not hear the truth, no one can tell it to you. This means the truth is only heard by those who desire it. If you are seeking after the truth, God will make his way to you. There are many Muslims today who are asking, oh, oh God, let me know the truth, reveal it, and then they have a dream of Jesus. Everyone that desires to know the truth, everyone that desires to know through science, 
through science, with an uncorrupt heart, with a heart that pursues the truth, will find their way to Jesus. Will find their way to Jesus. Give us there the next slide. 1 Corinthians 15. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You are still in your sins. This is useless. Then, those also who have fallen asleep or died in Christ have perished. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we have all men to be pitied. But this is the good news of the resurrection. That there is life after the grave. Where, O oh death, is your sting? Where, O oh grave, is your victory? When Jesus came and he emerged from the dead, he didn't just emerge from the dead raised, he emerged from the dead as someone who went as a sinner in, who went embodying the sin of the world upon him. And God found him to be righteous and brought him back to life. And today, as a believer, as someone who is born again, the picture is not necessarily what Nicodemus was talking about, like, okay, so uh, spiritually there's a womb. <laughs> this is cults that are startling. Spiritually there's a womb, and out of those wombs, every time you are saying, yeah, Lord, I receive you, here comes a spirit baby, pewsh, into you. No. We are not born again from a womb. We are not born again from a certain birth. We are born again from the dead. This is why baptism is so key. That as Jesus was taken into the grave on Friday, an innocent lamb, he said nothing, crucified and said it is finished, taken down from the cross, placed in the grave, descended into the depths of hell. We were with him as we went. And when God raised him from the dead, then we emerge with him from the grave. When we are saying, we sing hallelujah, we are not just seeing Jesus coming alone out of the grave. We are seeing ourselves coming out of that grave with him. This is the power of the resurrection. No matter what you do or where you are in life, if you are not born again, death is a threat. Death is a threat. But if you are born again, the Bible says Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Give us the next slide there. Jesus said to him, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So this morning as we are speaking about our Lord Jesus. And we are speaking about a God that is all-knowing. And he knows us. And he knows us in our hearts. And he knows the very thoughts that I thought. He knows the very guilt that I carry. He knows the very burden that is in my heart. And he knew all of that. And he took every burden and every iniquity and every sin, not just the ones that everyone knows about, every secret sin. And he went right there because of his omniscience. He sees everything. And he dealt with every core sin. And he took that and he put it on his son, Jesus. 
and his omniscience had to observe and see if Jesus was going to carry through. And the fact that he's coming out of the grave means that an omniscient God, a God that knows everything, has observed and seen that it is finished and it is fully paid. If God was an omniscient and Jesus came out the cross, out of the grave, would have been wondering, did God, did he see whether it was properly done? We know Jesus is out of the grave, hallelujah, but, but was all my sins on there? But the fact that God knows all, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> even the ones that you thought, no, this one, I'm, I'm good here, <laughs> and there were sins there hidden, God took even those ones and put it on his son Jesus. So that when Jesus came out of the grave, perfect, able to go into his father's house, so you were also taken. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And this is the privilege. Hallelujah. This is the privilege that we have. I mean, I've said many things about education today. I have a degree, just by the way. So, so learn those things. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of that wisdom. Amen? So go ahead, study, 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 study. But read your Bible, know Jesus. Amen? Because that knowledge of Jesus is a fellowship. Yesterday I was, I was uh, doing a blessing at a wedding. And uh, the scriptures show how our fellowship with Jesus is an entering into a life. It's a kind of life that we are entering into. And our, our husband, by analogy, our husband is a blessed, wonderful, very wonderful guy. Oh, wonderful, 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 wonderful. So when you are coming to be with Christ, you are coming home and all the benefits... There's no out of community here. All the benefits. <laughs> it's all in community of property. Please swipe there. Yeah. <laughs> all, the, all the benefits. And this morning, if you are born again, there needs to be, your heart should be rejoicing with overflowing glory unspeakable. Yeah? There should be such a rejoicing in your heart of hearts. That you have arrived, even if other things, it doesn't, those things that matter, I've come into them freely. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's stand and let's begin to thank the Lord. Oh, we thank you, Jesus. Right where you are, just begin to lift up your hands to him. Lord, remind us where we were, where we would have been. If it were not for Jesus and his cross and his grave. Lord, remind us when we used to be addicted. When we used to be enslaved.